Behold, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you and to drive the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites out of your way. I will not drive them out before you in a single year that the land may not become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. Amen. I don't know what you all experienced in this moment. For some of you saw all of this outburst of expression and emotions and you're wondering what on earth is going on. But I've come to tell you church that greater things are yet to happen in this place. And the things that are unseen are far greater than the things that do appear. And for many of us, we've been waiting a long time for the deliverance of God. We've been waiting a long time to see God move in our midst. We've been praying long prayers to God and have not seen the hand of his glory. We have been patient a long time. As we have read in this text, and will be my message as brief as I'll make it today, the word I have for you, church, is simply yet, not yet. Many of us have been praying and expecting God to miraculously and to supernaturally change our circumstances in one sweep. While God can do that, because he is God. The truth is God doesn't often operate that way. God does things to his people in process. Many of us believe in the promises of God and have believed them for a very long time. But there is a reason why you may not have seen the fulfillment of God's promises in your life just yet. The reason is you may be in process. And the process must have its complete work. 
Each of us, all of us, experience a gap in our lives between who we are and who we hope to be one day. And every single one of us respond differently to how that gap works in our lives. For example, many of us, some of us, are painfully aware that we're not the kind of mother or father that we would like to be. We think that we're not as patient with our children's imperfections, and we are not aware or concerned about their needs as we should be, or we're not as selfless as we should be in serving them. For some, we look at our work or our professional life, and we find that we're not as organized as we should be. We, we, we don't follow up and we don't complete projects with the same level of determination that we should. And often we find ourselves making the same mistakes over and over again. We're not quite who we want to be. All in all, it doesn't take long for us to come to the conclusion that we don't measure up to the standards that we believe we have set for ourselves. So there is a gap between who we really are and who we would like to be. Every one of us here have some kind of gap. I don't care who you are. Amen. You are not the person you think you should be. And if I were to take a poll right now in this church, don't raise your hand, but if I were to take a poll and ask you if you thought that where you are today in your life is exactly where you thought you would be, you would answer honestly and say, absolutely not. Your life somehow today has not turned out the way that you had dreamed and hoped that it would be. Some of you thought by now you would have had a bigger house. Some of you thought by now you would have had a better job. Some of you may have even thought by now you would be married. Your life today is not quite what you thought or dreamed it would be. So there is a gap in your life. Brothers and sisters, the gap in your life is not the problem in your life. The gap is there to let you know that there is more to you than you think. The gap is not your problem. The problem is how you respond to the gap. Every one of us is in process and God is not done with you yet. Your gap is different than mine. You may think that I've got it all together, but I'm telling you, I do not. When I was a young engineer at Verizon, happy as a clam. I don't know how happy clams get, but I was happy as a clam, just opening and closing my mouth at the bottom of the ocean. I never dreamed in a million years that I would be standing in a pulpit preaching to people about a God that I have not seen. I'm an engineer. Facts must make sense. Things follow a logical flow. But every now and then, God does something that makes me have to question, what is this? Every one of us, if we are honest, you question God. 
because you've asked God for things and it has not happened. You are stuck in that gap, that place between the yet, but not yet. The what I want, but not quite. The what I've got, but not really. The yet, but not yet. How we respond to the gap makes the difference. Now there are two ways that every one of us respond to gaps in our lives. The things that aren't working quite the way that we would like them to. Two ways that we respond to the gap. The first way is through hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. In other words, it's the place where you go and pretend like everything is all right and you don't live with a gap. You walk around pretending as if everything is working out so good because you tell yourself that all things work together for the good. So when someone comes and says to you, how are you doing? I am fine. I am blessed and highly favored. The last time somebody said they were blessed and highly favored, they were pregnant with the Holy Spirit. You're not blessed and highly favored. You're struggling to make ends meet. So hypocrisy, false pretending, as if your life is well, is one way of responding to the gap. Hypocrisy is a constant reminder to us day after day after day how much we have failed ourselves. But God is in process with us. And even in your hypocrisy and mine, we are stuck in the yet, not yet. The second way that we respond to this gap in our lives is despair. When we take the path of despair, it's like we're saying, you know, I'm a little more honest about where I am, but I don't see a way out. I don't see how I'm actually going to make ends meet or get to the tomorrow, to the person that I want to be. I'm stuck in the world I am today. I don't like who I am today. I don't like the way I look today. I don't know how I'm going to get to who I want to be. So I fall and respond in despair. It's a little more honest, but it's not the right way to respond. Whether you respond in hypocrisy by pretending or in despair by feeling bad about yourself, you need to understand that neither of those responses was the design and the plan that God had for you. God knows what's best for you and the gap in your life is God's way sometimes of getting your attention that says, listen, it didn't take you down then. It won't take you down tomorrow. Stay the course. The gap is designed to refine you. It's designed to make you come to a place of humility where you no longer depend on you, but you depend on God. I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Church, if you could solve your own problems, you don't need God. I need him every hour, every minute of every day. I need thee 
all I need thee. When you think you don't need God, believe me, all you would have done is opened up yourself to other things that wants you. As I've shared before in this church, the Bible speaks to us literally, symbolically, and figuratively. When I say the Bible speaks to us literally, it means that the stories that we read in the Bible are true. It's not there just to tell you what, how, how, what happened, but it's also there to be instructive around what's going on. You know, many people have a way of saying, well, it's in the Bible, so it must be true. Well, that's true. But then they go a step further and they say, it's in the Bible, so it must be okay. Okay, that's a position to take. So the Bible says that Solomon had almost 700 wives. <laughs> the Bible says Solomon had 700 wives. So people go around and saying, what's wrong with that? Well, you have to know the difference between when the Bible is being descriptive and when the Bible is being prescriptive. By being descriptive, it's telling you what they did. By being prescriptive, it's telling you that what they did sometimes in the Bible was not the way God meant it to be. And if we didn't have the examples of people who failed, then you would walk around thinking that your failure is unique to you. Every person in the Bible lived with the gap in their lives. How they dealt with the gap either caused them more harm or more pain. And I'm telling you, they either pretended that everything was well or they fell into despair. And every single person in the Bible, as you read their stories of failures and tragedies, is there as a reminder to you that if God was there for them, then even in the midst of your gap, your struggle, your failures, your pain, God is there for you. The problem is you've spent more time looking at your problem and your pain and not giving God his due. You see, you can't look at your pain, worry about your pain, think about your pain, and at the same time glorify and honor your God. You can't do both. Sometimes we need to get to the place where we need to tell our pain about our God. You're in the yet, not yet. So we find ourselves in this text where we see the children of Israel coming up on a challenge. They're getting ready to take the land that God has promised them. If you remember, they had come out of Egypt. And God says, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk, and honey, God has prepared a place for these people. But something is wrong. If you look carefully in the text, God says, okay, you've been through a hard time in your life. You lost your job. You lost your family. Your life got ruined. Your health is a mess. Things have fallen apart in your life in ways that you can't even imagine. But somehow God made you a promise. He says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I need you to trust me. I need you to walk with me. I need you to believe that your tomorrow is greater than your yesterday and even your today. But I can't just give it to you like that. All right. 
Because if I just give it to you like that, you won't have any way of appreciating from whence you have come. You see, the problem we make with a lot of our children today is we want to not be their parents, we want to be their friends. So what we end up doing with our children is we give them anything they want. Anything they ask for, everything they need. They want iPad, they want U-Pad, they want Me-Pad, and they want We-Pad. They want everything. And so because we don't want our children to be angry with us or mad with us, we just give it to them. Meanwhile, they grow up with a spirit of entitlement, thinking that everything should be handed to them. They don't know the difference between hard work, laboring in pain, wanting, needing, working, and finally accomplishing and achieving. They want it today. They want it now. Now, I'm not knocking your children. I'm knocking you. Because God has given you the responsibility to be stewards. So in the very same way, God is instructing these children of Israel. He says, listen, listen. I know you've been through slavery. I know you've been through a tough time. But, 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 see, I'm going to do something. I'm going to send an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way to bring you to the place I prepared. You see, when they left Egypt, they ain't know where they're going. You could come out of a bad situation in your life and still be lost. Not knowing how to go, where to go, how, what do you do when you've come out of a situation and you're now presented with something new and you have no idea what to do next. Stuck. Many of us are stuck. You, 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 you've gone through a divorce. What next? Stuck. You've been kicked out of school. Stuck. Right? You've lost your home. Stuck. Lost your job. Stuck. Right? Formerly incarcerated. Stuck. What do I do next? And God is saying, listen, I hear you. I know you. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you. To what? Guard you along the way. To bring you to the place I have prepared. Brothers and sisters, you might not see where it is that God is taking you. But the text says he has already what? Prepared. It's the yet, but not yet. You're, 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 you're getting there, but you're not quite there. You got this gap. God is saying, trust me. Now, 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 pastor, that sounds good. But I still feel the way I feel. I'm still struggling to make ends meet. What can you tell me, preacher, that's going to make me feel like God is with me? Well, I'm glad you asked. It says, pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Uh-oh, here we go, church. Don't miss this. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. Yeah, let me stop right there. <laughs> listen. You need to understand. <laughs> Harold, I don't know what they're hearing. Jesus has spoken to many of you. You just don't know it was him. <laughs> Listen, someone could come to you and give you a word of either encouragement or a word of correction. And you know what's good for you. You know better 
But, 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 brothers and sisters, I don't know why I'm here now, but I'm there. God has placed us with authorities over us. People who God has ordained to speak into our lives for a season. When you rebel against the authority that God has set above you, you are not rebelling against them. You are rebelling against God. He sends his angel before you. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion. Listen, church, you're not, you, you, you can't rebel against me. I am a man. I is a nobody. Like you. But there are times when I operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the day, hear me clearly, the day that I turn my back on the holiness of God, I will no longer be of any use or value to you. God will not wait for me to hurt you before he removes me and send someone else. So if you're here and I am still here and we is still here together, then God has something to say to you through me. Do not rebel. I ain't telling you to be obedient to me. I'm saying, and here's the proof. Here's the proof. I'm not telling you to be obedient to me. Look what the text says. Since my name is in him. One spirit. I cannot come to you and tell you anything to do. And it does not agree with your spirit if I am coming with the spirit of God. If I'm coming with the spirit of God and you don't agree, one of us is not operating in his spirit. And how you always know which one is which is God does not give us a spirit of rebellion. If there is an authority, a godly authority. But, but the Bible goes on to say, if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. Here's what that means, church. Sure, I'm telling you, you guys better believe this. You are stuck. You don't know where to go. God sends his angel before you. Tells you to move to the right. Move to the left. Take it back now, y'all. One hop this time. God is giving you instructions. It don't make sense. He says, okay, step forward again. Now go back two times. Why would I move forward and God say, move back? You don't know what's ahead. So sometimes when God wants you to step back, he's making room for something to move out of the way. He prepares it. Now he says, take it back now, y'all. One hop this time. Two hop this time. I don't know how to save my life. God 
knows what I need. But let me hurry along, because we, we, we spent, we, we got somewhere to go. He says, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. I'm not even on my text no more. You are stuck. Stuck. Whatever makes you stuck. God sends his angel before you. He says, I will make your enemies my enemies and oppose those who oppose you. So you don't have enough education. And you say, I'm not going to apply for that job. And God says, apply. And you're like, makes no sense. I got all this stuff that's dragging. God says, just apply. Just put it in. And you're like, I don't know, God. Now, if God says, listen to me, do what I say, do not rebel against what I've told you, listen carefully, I'm going to make your enemies my enemies. You'll be surprised that even those who would tell you no, they go, I don't really quite know why I'm doing this because I wouldn't normally do this for someone like you. But I need something done and right now you're all I've got. So I'm going to just look the other way. And you could just walk in. But, but I don't know who's he, who needs to hear this message. Somebody needs to hear because I'm telling you the spirit is here. I don't need my paper no more. But, but, but if that was enough, he said, listen, my angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Electric Lights. What God is saying is you think your problem was that alone. There are hundreds of other problems ahead of you. You think the one person stopping you from getting that job is your problem? Even if you get the job, you still got to deal with the Jebusites, the Hivites, the Terabites, the Electric Lights. And God is saying, I'm going to move all of them. All of them. But, but, but he says, look, I will wipe them out. Church, ain't my words. But, but he says, look, when you get in, you're going to be tempted, though, to believe that you got there on your own. You're going to be tempted to believe that they're the ones that's helping you. You're going to be tempted to believe that they got the key. To your deliverance. He knows you're going to be tempted. Listen. You know. I don't know how many of you. But you know when you get a job. That you fought hard for. And then you're in there for a couple of months. And you figured out the place. And all of a sudden now you start to walk like you did it all on your own. Nobody can talk to you anymore. You got the big head. He's saying listen. Don't bow down before their gods. Or worship them. Yes. Don't think that because, you see, the problem with us in the church is that we pray to God for a little blessing. God gives us a little blessing and we think that's all God can do. Yes. So we get happy. Yeah. And we get what? You are stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start to move. Yeah, yeah. Then you get stuck for a different reason. 
and God got to do his work all over again. But he says, listen, when you go there, I'm not sending you there because I only want you to be blessed. Listen, you got to know how to read the text. When God gives you an opportunity because you've come from a dark place and God opens up the door for you, it's never just for you. It's for you to make room for who else is coming behind you. So when God sends you, he says what? Watch this. You must demolish them. Break their sacred stones to pieces. Bust up the place. Bust up the place. Bust up the place. Who's your God? And after you finish busting up the place, worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and on your water. Not only that, he's going to take away sickness. None of you are going to be barren. You're just going to be producing. And even when you think you are done, he says, I'm going to extend your life. But I will send my terror ahead of you so that when people see you coming, they recognize. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Since I'm talking about authority, help me, Holy Spirit. Yesterday, I was at the hospital. I responded to a trauma call. I went there, and they brought in a man. He didn't want to come to the hospital, but he had been hit by a car while riding his bicycle. He came in, and he was angry and irate. And when they come into the trauma, they start to cut your clothes off. And he said, don't cut my clothes. Don't cut my clothes. This shirt I have on is it's new, and I just bought it. I can take off my, and he's wrestling. And he says, let me take off my shirt. So he took off his shirt, and there, one of the doctors started cutting his pants. The man went livid, angry. He says, I just bought these pants. You could have asked me to take them off. They cost me $50. This is expensive pants. I don't, and it went crazy. Why I'm telling you this story is because there was a doctor there that was really, really mean and was saying things and wasn't hearing. And I was listening and paying attention and, and I couldn't out. Doctors, they know what they're doing and they're, they're paid to do a work. But I'm standing there and this man is, is angry and, and what made it worse was when the man first came in, that same doctor said, why do they keep bringing these people? So my antennas went up. But without going into all of the details, the doctor says, we're going to get him out of here. And, and then he started to back talk with the man. So I said, why are you antagonizing the man? I've gotten to the place now where, where I, I couldn't take it anymore. Why are you antagonizing the man? And the doctor looked at me and said, I am the chief whatever. And, and you don't need to be here. You shouldn't be here. So I was trying to keep in my composure. I looked at that man and I said to him, this badge says the hospital says I'm authorized to be here and he walked away and I stayed with that man for the next hour and a half the man calmed down and confided to me and he says I'm on a fixed income I only have three pairs of pens to my name I don't have a lot of things 
But when I buy something, I try to make sure I buy it of a high quality. They cut that man's pants, but they didn't really cut his pants. They challenged and cut his dignity as a human being. But the reason why I'm telling you the story in this context is because, you see, when God places us in positions, we're not just there for ourselves. We're there to demolish, break stones to pieces, tear it down. And oh, by the way, he says, I'm going to send my terror ahead of you to throw every confusion and every nation you encounter. I will make their enemies like that doctor turn their back and run. I'll send the hornet. God's work isn't done. You're stuck in the yet, but the not yet. Church, I'm not trying to tell you to go make fight with people. What I'm telling you is that when you move and operate in the spirit of God, it will only be a time before you're not yet manifest. But don't mess it up by thinking that you can fix the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites. Let God do what only God can do. You can't fix it. The problem is we can't wait for God. We're stuck in the not yet. We don't, we're, we're impatient. But I'm telling you, let patience have its perfect work. You see, you see, many people don't realize when people find gold, when they find the gold in the ground, it don't look much like gold. So they get a crucible with a flame. They put the gold in there and it burns. Burns until all the dross rises to the surface. Then, then the jeweler scrapes off the stuff. And what he looks at is the pure fine gold that remains. Church, every one of you in here is gold in the eyes of God. But the problem is, you can't see your value because you got a whole lot of dross, a whole lot of impurities. So God says, I, I, I got something for you, but you can't quite get it yet. It's not ready to go on the finger until I have purified it a little bit. You need to go through the fire. But God says, don't just go through the fire. Believe me. Trust me with every pain. Trust me with every hurt. Trust me with every anger. Trust me with every disappointment. Trust me with all of that pain. Because what I have for you is for you. I have prepared a place for you that where I am, you will be there. Also, if it were not so, I would have told you. Listen. Your promised land, your promised land may not look the same as mine, but you got one. You got a promised land. And so he sends his angel before you, but not yet. Everything that God does, he does in process. So when the Israelites stood at the edge of the promised land, they had many battles ahead of them to fight. But despite all the battles, the land was good land. And it was their land. Being in process is like being in that desert. I don't know where I'm going. But you're moving forward. But he's prepared a way in the wilderness. And he's going to bring a river into your desert. 
So as believers and Christians today, church, hear me clearly. We all know what it is to stand in the gap. In the yet. Not yet. So they hung him on a cross. They pierced him in his hands. They pierced him in his feet. They pierced him in his side. They took him down from that rugged cross and they wrapped him in linen. They rolled away a stone and they put him in an empty tomb that was not even his own. It was borrowed. They rolled it back and then they sealed it. And all this while, everyone was saying, what now? They were stuck on that Saturday night in the yet. Not yet. Peter, as you know, we talked about this. They said, hey, let's just go fishing. Let's find something else to do. Stuck in the yet. Not yet. You've been trying to find a job for the longest time. And you've tried so hard that even the ones that were very promising didn't quite work out the way you wanted to. Stuck in the yet. Not yet. It's Saturday night. You're working on a relationship that seems like it's going somewhere, but then it didn't quite work out. You're stuck in the yet. Not yet. It's Saturday night. You, you, you've got dreams about where you're going to take your family and you've just bought a new house and the bills just seem unnatural. And you're wondering, what did I get myself into? Am I going to make this through? You're stuck in the yet. Not yet. But it's only Saturday night. We're merging the churches. And we're not quite sure what that's going to mean for the future of both congregations. People have gone. People like it. They don't like it. Some do. Some don't. No idea what it's going to mean. Stuck in the yet. Not yet, but it's Saturday night. Every person in this room knows what it's like to be stuck in the yet. Not yet, but it's Saturday night. The Bible tells me early Sunday morning, a stone rolled away and out came Christ all power and authority in his hands. The yet, which was not yet, had now become the yet forever. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is the same power that you and I have in the Saturday night, in the yet, not yet. But Sunday morning is coming. And if you can hold on to God's unchanging hands. If you can wait just a little bit longer, your Saturday night will turn into your Sunday morning. And when you find your Sunday morning, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care where you've been. I am telling you that your tomorrow will be greater than your yesterday. So I don't know who this message was for. But someone needed to hear that if you are stuck in the yet, not yet, 
Don't lose heart, my brothers and sisters, for it's only Saturday night. Yeah.